Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning. I'm your host and friend, Reverend John McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created on the ten of this Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus and prayer. I'm a Christian in recovery, but all faiths are welcome, of course. And we'll be reading out of the Ryrie Study Bible these mornings, but you can read out of any Bible you wish, of course. And uh, we've had many spiritual experiences 
and in gratitude, we have ongoing Bible readings, and we're also grateful for our recovery, and this is our small way of giving back, and I hope you feel the same way. And I'm just focused on being my real self. That's it. And just carrying the message given to me. And the calling number this morning and calling in to listen is 619-924-9744. And the Sacred Sunday airs every Sunday, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, unless I'm late. In that case, I'm sorry. Anyway, the opening music was by Save Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels by Save. If you want to order your own copy, go to Save, S-A-V-A-E dot org. They're also available on Facebook. They do live shows, and you can listen to them for free on YouTube. And you can also get their CD on Amazon. I love that music. So let's bow our heads as we say our opening prayer this morning. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be our name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And of course, the glory be to your name. I pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide. Their freedom to worship and lives are in great jeopardy. We hear we just lost two Orthodox priests in Syria. and They were martyred. And it's just disgusting out there. We pray for them, and we want them to know that they're not forgotten. And then we also pray for the people that are suffering and sick here at home, and we pray for those who are sick in mind and body, and those who are lonely and uncomforted, and please, God, forgive us our sins. We also pray for those suffering from domestic violence and in their own homes and freedom from addiction of all kinds, because addiction is taking away those we love. Please, God, send your Archangel Michael to fight against evil and to protect everyone and all the angels watch over everybody. And we also pray for the poor animals that can't speak for themselves, the poor things. We just pray for their heavenly rest and pray for their safety. And we also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of the policymakers that they may have made decisions to, to make. And we are praying that all countries and their problems of suffering all over the world find some healing somehow. We want to thank you, God, for everything, how you look over us and teach us. And we ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow into his care. And we keep everybody and their families in our prayers. God bless you. Amen. And uh, we also pray for peace. And we know we're not going to get it, but we pray for it anyway, but maybe peace in our hearts. Anyway, amen. I just want to wish everybody a happy birthday today. It's your special day that you were created for your purpose here on earth. And uh, we just want to be very happy for you for your first birthday and uh, happy birthday. And I also I want to wish uh, John Greenwald, Stephen Hill, uh, Joshua Shapiro, Uda Rita, and Miles Johnson for their special birthday today. And I want to wish everybody a very healthy and prosperous year ahead. If you would like us to... Wish anyone a happy birthday or a special announcements. Just let me know. You know, you can find me on Facebook. Anyway, let's talk about last last week. Last week was our first uh, Second Thessalonians in our first chapter. And it was Paul uh, writing to the Thessalonians again, saying you know, they did a good job, and that um, even though they're suffering a little, you know, everything's going to work out okay. And then uh, the, the most of the Thessalonians were believers, and uh, 
Paul was telling them to keep on the straight and narrow and uh, and don't uh, sin because you get the wrath of God. And also uh, Paul's praying for them. And uh, the Thessalonians seem to be right on par with Paul. So this week we're doing Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And uh, let me read you the summary first. This is from Smoop.com, Harvard students that, that do this uh, these commentaries and analysis. And then, uh, here we go. Don't let this man of sin get you down. Paul urges the Thessalonians not to be panicked by the thought of the day of the Lord that they have been waiting for has already come and gone. Uh, we don't think this is likely, and they, miss all, they would miss all the angels and trumpets and such, Paul, Paul says. And then he says that we shouldn't let anyone trick them about this, especially not the man of sin. Anyway. This guy puts himself above God, and in fact, he tells everybody he is God. Uh, that's what we're wrestling in the world today, and uh, what we wrestled always, it seems, that is, uh, is the man of sin. And um, he's admonishing everybody. This guy needs to put himself, wants to put himself above God. He tells himself, everybody he is God, and he tells other people God doesn't exist. Paul says that he already told them about all this dude, and it's something that's holding this sinful guy back right now. The Thessalonians don't know what, but Paul isn't cluing us in either. And pretty soon the man of sin will be shown for what he is, and Jesus will come down and kill him with the breath of his mouth. Maybe try brushing before you descend from heaven next time, Jesus. That's not right. Anyway, basically this is the work of Satan. He's in charge of all things bad and deceitful, and he loves it when people refuse to follow Jesus. You know, that's his favorite sport. Think about that. And then it's God who is making these non-believers buy into these lies. And then we're saying, what, serious God? The God? Later, he will condemn them for it. Anyway, lucky for the Thessalonians, God has destined them for all kinds of good things. God spoke to them through the words of his messengers, for example, Paul, and they accepted it. Now, if they just hold on to things that they've been taught, it'll be smooth sailing from here out. Thanks to Harvard students again, and we appreciate your summary. Okay, so let's go back to our Bible. So get your Bible out. And we are going to go straight to chapter, Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Okay, cor- correction concerning the day of the Lord in relation to the present. Quest you, brethren, with regard to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostate comes first. He says, and the law, the man of lawlessness is revealed and the son of destruction. Who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object or worship so that he takes his seat at the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do not remember, don't you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? And, and you know what restrains him now, so that he is, his time will be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will, will do so the day he is taken out of the way. Then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring him to the end by his appearance of his coming. That is, the one whose coming is in accordance with the activity 
of Satan with all power and signs and wonders in relation to unbelievers. And with all those exception of wickedness for those who perish, speaking about revelations here. Okay, anyway. So, and for all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because they did not receive the love of truth so as to be saved. For this reason, God will send upon them uh, deluding influence that they will believe what is false. Not the issue here. People believe what is false. In order that they all be judged, we do not believe in the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord. Because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through the sanctification by the Spirit and the faith and the truth. It was for this this he called you through our gospel, that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. For them, brethren, stand firm and hold on to the traditions for which you were taught, whether by word or mouth or by letter from us. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God of our Father who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace. Comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. And that brings us to chapter 3. These are short little letters, but powerful. So let's go back and read the notes. And it says, with regard to the coming of the Lord Jesus. For example, concerning or in interest of the truth concerning the Lord's coming. Paul denies the teaching ascribed to him and that the day of the Lord has already begun. Our gathering together, a reference to the rapture of the church. So he's denying that he ever said anything like that. And people are just spreading rumors around it, but they're doing the same thing today. Okay, so our second note is shaken. Excited, violently disturbed. The Thessalonians were being greatly disturbed by false teaching concerning these future events. Paul seeks to bring them back to true doctrine. A proper living, the false teaching was by a spirit, some prophet, prophetic utterance. By a message, some spoke te- spoken teaching, and by letter is this from us, a written communication purporting to be from Paul, but it wasn't. And the source of these teachings was not given, the day of the Lord. And it says, apparently the believers thought their present troubles meant the day of the Lord was already, had already come and gone. So that's not true for anyone then, and it's not true for now. Okay, so the second note is the apostasy, an aggressive and climatic revolt against God that would repair the way for the appearance of the man of sin. And you know that's the Antichrist. Although it is true that the forces of lawlessness were at work in Paul's time and are at work today, the mystery of the lawlessness is already at work. The man of lawlessness, also called the lawless one, is an individual of the future who will come to power during the tribulation days. John also recognized the presence of many Antichrists in his time as well as the coming of a great one great Antichrist in the future, is revealed. When the Antichrist signs the covenant with Israel at the beginning of the tribulation, he will be identified by some for who he is. So some are going to know. And uh, that just gave me the chills, because you can actually see how that could be happening. And then 2-4, this takes his seat to the temple of God. At the midpoint of the tribulation period, the Antichrist will desecrate the rebuilt Jewish temple in Jerusalem by placing himself there to be worshipped. And this will be the climax of the man's great sin of self-deification and an open defiance of God. And then 2.6 reads, says what? Here is the restrainer is neuter. In verse that 7, it's masculine. The neuter would not eliminate the spirit, which is a neuter word. Okay, 2.7. He who now restrains will do so until the Antichrist is now being held back by a restrainer. 
Some understand this to be God indwelling in his church by the Holy Spirit, while others see human government as a restraint. According to the former view, the removal will be at the rapture of the church, but according to the latter, at the overthrow of human government by the Antichrist. And then uh, 2.8 is, then the lawless one will be revealed. Paul's argument is this. The day of the Lord will not begin until the Antichrist is revealed. The Antichrist cannot begin to act until the restrainer is removed. Since the restrainer has not yet been removed, the Thessalonians could be certain that the day of the Lord has not yet begun, regardless of what the false teachers were saying. And then the man of sin will be able to do powerful miracles in the tribulation days. So it's going to be very confusing for some, but those who stay steady reading their Bible, and uh, they'll know from the wisdom of God. And the deluding influence comes from God. It is both a punishment and a moral result of their rejection of the truth. So that's why it comes from God. And now we can understand clearly that we're not put in that situation, that that God didn't do it to us. It actually, we did it to ourselves, and we insist on it. So, you know, he lets us have our own way here before the punishment comes. This verse reflects the Old Testament concept that God is a sovereign, even the activities of evil. And so that kind of reflects that. And then the result will be that men will believe what is false as Satan works through the Antichrist. And then, now at 2.13, the sanctification by the Spirit and the faith and truth, God's activity, the Holy Spirit's work of regeneration, and man's responsibility, faith, that's our responsibility is to keep our faith, are equally necessary in, transit, trans, in salvation. And in the traditions, it's all teachings Paul has shared with the Thessalonians. It is also along with tradition. Prayer with steadfastness on the part of Thessalonians closes this crucial section. Notice the closing prayers of this letter. For their lives to be such as such would be commended by the Lord, and for the love and steadfastness, and for their peace. And then next week we'll go on to Second Thessalonians chapter 3. And let me look ahead a little bit, so... And it's going to bring us to First Timothy. Amazing and true that we're making our way through this Bible. So anyway, let us see what we've got now. I hope everybody is really having a wonderful day. Uh, it's really beautiful here in Southern California. And uh, I just wish to thank everybody that listens in. And those who listen in archives, and um, you have really you know, boosted us and helped us keep on going with our Bible study. Because we do need moral support. We know God is with us, but we need moral support too. Okay, so let's hear. I'm going to find something of our friendly guidepost. And I'll try not to read another story again. Okay, so see this. Well, this is the puzzling power of forgiveness. That sounds good to me. And this is from a guidepost. It's by John Plank of Wapun, Wapun, Wisconsin. And it says, My wife was seven months pregnant with our seventh child. We lived in a modest four-bedroom home. After 11 years as a vocational teacher in the state reformatory in Green Bay, Wisconsin, a vocational director's job opened at a nearby correctional institution, and I got that position. I started in June. My new job was 90 miles from home. I rented a room during the week and returned home on weekends. I had two months to find a place to live, sell our house, move our family, and get settled down. Five of our children would be starting school in September. My wife always delivered early and needed to be under a doctor's care. 
I read through one ads, made phone calls, and talked to sell employees, visited realtors, and prayed for guidance. Finally, I came across a contractor who was completing a duplex apartment he intended to rent. It would be completed by September 1st. Although the place only had two bedrooms, I was certain it would be large enough. I told the contractor I rent one of those apartments and offered to pay the security deposit for its month's rent. He said that wouldn't be necessary. A handshake and a man's word were all that needed to seal the agreement. Wow. I had to put our home up for sale, and soon we had a buyer. I lined up a mover, registered the kids in school, had our medical records transferred. It was still going to be a squeeze, just one week left. On Monday morning, I received a telephone call from the contractor. I was to meet him that night at his home, and then I received a real shock. We were not going to get the apartment. Futurely, I mentioned the kids starting school, my pregnant wife selling our house, handshakes and a man's word. The contractor said, the place is too small for your family. Stunned, I went back to my room and thought, how can this be happening? What really puzzled me is why I wasn't angry with the contractor and his wife. As a matter of fact, the more I wondered about, the more I felt that I had to forgive them. I always felt I was a Christian, but frankly, not that good a Christian. It is something that happened to me, and I will never be able to fully understand. I sat down at 11.30 p.m. and wrote a letter of forgiveness to the contractor and his wife, and I mailed that letter that night. The next morning, I went to my office, and on my desk was a piece of paper, two inches square, with a penciled note. It said, call this number after five tonight. At that time, there were only 11 other employees. I contacted all of, the, all of them and asked if they had put the note on my desk, and no one knew anything about it. At 5 o'clock, I called the number. And when I told the party my name, he said he hadn't called me. I asked him if he was planning to rent his house. He said, I'm moving to a new job right now, and I wanted to list my house. But I haven't been called, even called the paper yet. How did you know? This beautiful home in Wildpun with three bedrooms and was four blocks from school and rented for less than the contractor's apartment. Who wrote the note? I truly believe it was God. Oh, what a wonderful story. <laughs> You know, that's what I was, uh, you know, driving home from work, and I've been very tired, and, and those that know me know that I've been ill with this weird thyroid condition, but I was driving home, and, you know, I was thanking God for being able to keep my job and to have, pay my rent and keep the roof over my head, and, you know, then I worry about the future, like what's going to happen when I retire, and all sort of stuff, and then it just came back home to me, is that just one day at a time, say our prayers. Leave it in God's hand because God knows everything. And what do we have to worry about? So we've got to be less on worry, more on faith, and more on forgiveness. And uh, we really listen to that in Jesus' name and try to do our best to forgive others and to move on and let go of anger faster and move on and uh, forgive and then move on with yourself so you can get something better. So that was a perfect example to us. And that will be it for this morning. I, I really uh, just want to let you guys know that um, my prayers are with you. God bless you. You know, may your dreams come true. And I want you to know that you're never, ever alone. There's the Holy Spirit. God bless his angels. God himself, Jesus, all of them pray just for you because you're that special. You really are. There's only one of you in the whole eternity. You know, so don't give up on yourself and keep going. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And let's do our closing prayer now, our faithful prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, 
the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. And in closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms that you may have the strength to face whatever is ahead. Remember, you're never alone. God loves you. May your best dream come true. And true love live in your heart. Happy trails, my friends. God bless you. Love you very much. Forgive. Try to forget. Say your prayers and move on and take it one day at a time. Love you. Bye-bye. Thank you.